Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, Sarah and I are doing a long overdue episode on anxiety today. We have talked about anxiety in little snippets because it's something that both Sarah and I suffer from, but we have not dedicated an entire episode to the topic, and we are excited to do so today. Yes. We are going to be chatting with Amy Estes, and we will introduce her in a little bit, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy her. She's a comic. She's hilarious, um, and she also suffers from anxiety, and we have a very revealing conversation with her. But first, we want to take a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. So, I'm allergic to down. I am always on the hunt for the perfect cozy comforter. It's not easy to find, but recently I had made the switch to Buffy. So Buffy makes comforters that are great for people, but also great for the planet. They use skin-friendly eucalyptus fabric, which feels so soft. And the fill is made from, get this, 100% recycled water bottles. The comforter has over 11,000 reviews online, so I am not alone in loving this thing. People agree it is the softest, fluffiest comforter they've ever tried. Yeah, this fabric is so interesting because it's made from naturally soothing eucalyptus. So like Kristen said, it's completely hypoallergenic, but it's just like the way that it's constructed, it shuts out dust, mold, and mites and prevents nighttime breathing of harmful allergens, which is always important. And what's really cool is that the inside fill of each comforter is made from 100% recycled BPA-free water bottles that are transformed and given a second life as a soft, fluffy fiber. It feels even softer than down, and it actually keeps 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans per comforter. Well, it's such a cool feature, but I feel like when you say it's made of water bottles, (laughs) let me just assure you, it is fluffy like a cloud. (laughs) You would never know. Right. It does not feel like you are sleeping under a comforter full of water bottles. It is so (laughs) fluffy and so nice. Um, But what's great about Buffy as a company, they understand that bedding is super personal. So they do offer a complimentary trial so you can try the comforter and see if you like it yourself for 30 days. If you don't love it, you can return it for free, which is great. So... For $20 off for our listeners off of a Buffy comforter, you can visit Buffy.co and enter the code SELFIE. Once again, it's B-U-F-F-Y dot C-O and enter SELFIE at checkout for $20 off your Buffy comforter. Okay. What do you, what's going on with you? How is the self-care going this week? You know, I, I have a, a praise report. Nice. <laughs> oh, I love those. <laughs> We'll throw back to my church days. I have a praise report. So things have been going pretty well this week. I, um, first of all, I took the step and I put restrictions on my own iPhone. Ooh, no way. Yes. And you know, previously I had tried, what was the app? We both put it on our phone. Oh, yeah. It would tell you how much social media you were using. It was the worst. The best I'm blanking and the on worst. The name of it. I'm blanking on it too because I, we'll I think remember I and we'll it out. put it in the selfie Facebook group. But This time, I just went through the new native 
um, I think it's called screen time in iOS. Yes. Yes. And so you go under restrictions, screen time, and then what? here's what I did. I set it up so that I cannot be on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube after 11 o'clock p.m. or before 10 a.m. in the morning. <gasps> okay, that is awesome. Now, I would have no problem with the late night because I'm asleep, but I am definitely on those things before 10 a.m., those apps. I know. I wake up and lay in bed. Totally. So it just it just prevents you. It it blocks it. It blocks it. It blocks it. And which ones did you choose again? You know what I actually did to be honest is I really shut my entire phone down. So rather than shutting down certain things, I allowed certain things. Oh. So everything shuts down with the exception of I can check my email because that's not a temptation for me. I I'm right. not excited about that. Right. Um I can send and receive texts. Um, I can use Google Keep, you know, so I can add something to my to-do list. I mean, basically, like, productivity apps are still available. Right. But most of the phone is shut down. Wow. Yeah. That is impressive. I love so that. I did that. And then in addition to that, because I want to do more reading and I want to do more reading in bed, I finally ponied up and bought myself a Kindle Paperwhite. Yay! You did it! I did it. It's the best. It is the best. And you know what? I'm here to tell you guys, too. I will link up to the one I bought. I bought a refurbished one on Amazon, and so it was only $99. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and I don't see any discernible difference between the one I bought. And, you know, I mean, it's it's great. It works perfectly. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I I like the fact that I don't have blue light shining back in my face. Love that. But I will say this. It is smaller than I thought it would be. Oh, really? It's so small. Um, see, I think it, I like it. I like, it's like It's smaller than an iPad mini. Yeah, it's it's small. But I, I like that because I feel like I want it to be super lightweight because I'm holding it up. True. You know? That's true. And it's very portable. I mean, I'm still new, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm still getting used to it. Um. And I do have to wear my reading glasses because it's so small. <laughs> well, you know you can change the print. You can well, to make I know, it bigger. but then you're like, uh, then I, I have like five words per page. No, I know that's how I am too. I'm <laughs> like, I definitely have to be wearing my progressives to read on that thing. Yeah, but I I do feel like so the combination of having purchased the paper white and turning off my social media, I have read in bed every night this week. I am. So proud of you for real. I am That's a too. Huge, good. huge yeah. step. It is. Yeah. And ha so, have you tried the library apps yet, where you can no, check not out the yet. Books? Well, you know why I haven't. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Well, I tried, and um, I already have an account, as I was reminded, and I have past due books on it from <gasps> when my kids were like four and five. Oh, they're out to find you, the library police. I know. So I have to, and. Of course, you can't pay it online. Oh, oh no. So I have to actually walk into the library. This is why I quit the library because, well, you know, I have way too many books at my house. Right. I take my kids to the library. They would then put the books amongst the books we own, be like, time to go back to the library. And I'm like, where's your library books? And they're like, I don't know. Here's a hundred books. It's within oh, totally. like needle in a haystack. Oh, yeah. I was like, forget this. So, but I'm very excited to try the library app. That's my next step. 
You're going to love it. Except for Very like, excited. you know, obviously the most popular books are on like 13 week holds. So how how is that library app though for um, young adult, children's, all that stuff? I have no idea because okay. <laughs> my kids do not have Kindles. So oh, they I don't. Mean, well, they uh, no, they they we go to the library library. For them. Yeah, you do. They, they like to meander around the library and stuff. But you know what? That's not, I mean, they have iPads, so they definitely could have the Kindle app. So that's a really good question. And I should look into it because that would be fantastic. Well, what I actually did for my kids is I bought some really old iPad minis from a friend. Oh, good. Um, For like nothing. And you can put the Kindle app on old iPads. Perfect. It'll still work, even though you can't like, you know, they're not like up dated to the most recent iOS or whatever. Right. And so I put um, old, old, um, I took old, old iPads and basically made them into Kindles for the kids. And I took every other app off of it. That's perfect. It's just a Kindle. It's perfect. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, yeah, I'm happy you're on the paper white train. Yeah, of course, you know, as we both, I mean, we, we like the physical books, but it is nice to lay in bed with the very lightweight paper white and it doesn't have the blue screen, but it's still lit up so you can right. see it in the dark. Yep. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Well, I'm especially excited that when I travel, I will not be filling my carry on with books. Yes. Because that's what I do every single time. Yes. That's a huge, that'll make a huge difference for sure. I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood to read. So I bring right. like three or four books on every trip and they're heavy. Well, yeah. 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 And then you'll just have everything right there. Right it's there. It's fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. so proud. And I'm going to put the restrictions on my phone too. I don't even know if I can make it till 10 on some social media apps. I might have to go till nine. <laughs> well, do it. <laughs> I know. But no, that's a great idea. Thank you for that one. How about you? Um... Well, I just, I kind of want to talk about hair for a second, okay. which is the most random subject matter, but um, I'm still trying to find someone in Oklahoma City to cut my hair. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. Because well, you are very picky. I am. I'm extremely picky. And, and you, you've also been going to the literal best. I went to the literal best. And I think, you know, too, my my hairstylist died in November unexpectedly. And it was like devastating because I just I love him more than anything in the world. Like it was actually, to be honest, it was incredibly devastating. Like I was surprised at how many days I cried in a row, which I think kind of makes it makes a little bit of sense. I think a lot of people have close relationships with their hairstylists. You know, oh, sure. you're there. It's an experience. You talk about everything. I mean, you traveled. Like, let's let people know. Like, he was in L.A. and you would travel back to see him. Yes. I mean, I would definitely see him. Um, I would add on if I was going back to L.A. for a conference. So I didn't yeah. actually like travel to the West Coast to get sure. my hair cut. But yeah, whenever I was in Los Angeles or um, Orange County, I would definitely make an appointment to see him. So I've been doing that for four years. And I just I just love the way he cuts my hair. And I've tried some other people and it just it doesn't it's just not working. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to become like Crystal Gale and just grow my hair down to my feet because it's really hard trying to find someone. And I that's just such like a first world problem, I realize. But, you know, I mean, I think everybody here has probably had a bad haircut that really kind of like 
got him a little down in the dumps. Oh, I mean, I have definitely had haircuts where I've been like, okay, so I'm just going to be insecure for yes. three months. Exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of what I'm going, trying to find somebody new. I don't know how who to go to, whatever. But I will that's say, eh, it just sucks. I mean, just so weird. He died of a, like his heart stopped in the middle of the night and he was 39 and when they did the autopsy, he had, he had a heart condition that he didn't know about. Isn't that crazy? So sad and crazy. Yes. Um, I mean, I've known that other people that that's happened to, you know, that you just, you have no idea yeah. and you're walking around on borrowed time. Yeah. Wow. It just makes you, makes you really think. Um, but also I had to tell you, I haven't tried it yet, but I think the fact that I actually purchased this with my own money I did not, you know, have it sent to me. None of that. I bought that Revlon blow dry brush thingy. (laughs) Okay. Which one did you buy? The round one. The round one. Okay. Have you, because I know you had the flat one. I have not bought the round one yet, but is absolutely on my to-do list because I swear to you, I have a different Facebook friend every week say, I just bought this thing and it's amazing. Yes. I see it all the time. And I'm like... Are these people full of it? Could this really decrease your time in half and it still looks really smooth? So anyway, it's here. And the next time I wash my hair, I'm going to use it. And if it actually is fantastic, you all will be hearing about it in a future thumbs up. Because I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense because you're not having to hold one hand and round brush in the other. Right. It right. makes sense that it would work. We'll see. I'm I'm super excited if it does. I'm super yeah. excited if it does. So yes, Ooh, I am I, too. I really need to buy one. I I want to hear from you if you like it. Well, I will report back as soon right. as I find out. So let's get to our two thumbs up. Well, I'll start because mine is also a hair product. All right. Okay. So you know that I have been we're just doing a deep dive into first world problems with hair. <laughs> You know that I like the beachy waves and I have been using a flat iron to achieve them for years. Right. And, you know, I'm pretty proficient at it. I've got it down to a five minute science. I can beachy wave my hair so fast. Yeah. Um, But I, there was just, there was a, sounds so ridiculous, but I know you'll understand me. (laughs) There was a specific beachy wave that I just couldn't quite achieve, (laughs) which is. I wanted it more bendy than yes. wavy. Does oh that my make God. sense? Well, you're totally speaking my language. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So I would just see people where it's like, it's not waves. It's just Bend. their hair is just like it has a couple bends in it. Yes. And I feel oh, like yeah. that's a little more modern looking. It's a little more forward, you yes, know? Yes, it is. And so I couldn't figure out how people were getting this. And finally, I decided to go on and watch YouTube tutorials specifically looking for people that I that wear their hair like that and I like it. So, for example, um, do you follow Ariel on Instagram? No. That's just Ariel. But she's like a, I don't know, millennial. She was like a Vine star, right? Okay. Okay. Yes. But her hair is always perfect. And it's like just kind of tousled, bendy. And so I just went looking for, like, what does she use? Uh-huh. <laughs> and what does, like, there was this, uh, I don't know, some other actress. I'm like, like, 
what do they use on their hair? And so I was surprised to find that most people were getting the bendy waves from a curling rod, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think. Because mm-hmm. you'd think the curling rod would be more curly. But I finally went and I bought a curling rod. Mm-hmm. And I'm and what you do is you you probably know. You're like, yes, Kristen, I know. <laughs> you could have watched my own tutorial. <laughs> But, um, you know, you don't take it all the way down. You just kind of like wrap the middle of the hair around it. Yeah. And then you don't curl all the way down. And and just to clarify, the difference between a curling wand and a curling iron, there's no clip. Right. It's clipless. It's clipless. So you're wrapping your hair around it, trying not to burn your fingers. Yes. So I'm liking the look a lot. But what's even better is I feel like I'm frying my hair way less. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And keeping it off the ends, even close to the ends. Keeping it off the ends, but it's also I'm keeping it off the roots, which the roots are actually, for me, those baby hairs right in the front Uh at my forehead, those are the hairs for me that get the most damaged. Mm. Because that's where I have the most grays and I tend to fight with them with the flat iron. Like I'll get the flat iron up in there and try to like get the cowlick out, right? Yeah. And you can't do that with the wand. Mm, I no, I I'm a I use the wand. You do. I used the flat iron several years ago, but yes, for the past couple of years I use a clipless wand exclusively. I will say the wand takes more time. Yeah. Well, I think that that's also because you're not used to it and once you have it down, I think it'll be fast. Well, no, I think it takes more time. Here's why. Because the the flat iron I had, you could heat that thing up really hot. Uh-huh. And I, the pass that I took, it, w- it was so fast, right? Like, yeah. I just took a quick pass down it. The, the curling iron I bought, I'll tell you the one I bought. I bought the Bedhead Curly Pops, so dumb, <laughs> curling wand with a one-inch barrel. Mm-hmm. So wide. Um, but it doesn't heat up that hot, so I kind of have oh. to hold it for you know, 60 seconds. Oh, oh, where that's I was a long passing time. That, I was passing that flat iron through my hair for five seconds. Well, that doesn't, that seems odd because does it have a temperature control? No, it does not. Mm. Let me tell you why I chose this curling iron. Because Ariel used it? It was the cheapest one. <laughs> well, maybe that's why it's not getting very hot. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> I mean, I might need to buy, I just wanted to try it before sure. I like, but it's also I I also just feel like does it really matter? Um well I think temperature absolutely matters. Yeah, I te- don't temperature does. That's true. I don't think like the material really matters. Right? Like if it's tourmaline That's, or no. No. It doesn't matter, right? I do think tourmaline or ceramic is better than metal. Well, this is just metal. But I, you know, I've used metal. I have a metal. I don't use the metal one that much anymore, but I've used, like, you know, I mean, one of my best curling irons I ever owned was a Hot Tools curling iron that I bought at Sally Beauty Supply, and it was awesome, you know? Well, the flat iron I've used for years and have never found a better one was Conair from Target. So, yeah, maybe it's just not getting hot enough. It might not be. But I also don't hate that I'm not really frying the crap out of it either. No, it's fine. And if you're so. all if all you're looking for is a bend. Exactly. Then there you go. Well, I'm very excited about it. Oh, very good. Very good. So what do you have for your second thumbs up? 
Okay, for my second, it's a book. Um, it's a book that I just started, and it is fascinating. It is a look at this notion of having it all and the kind of American dream around motherhood. So it's called Forget Having It All, How America Messed Up Motherhood and How to Fix It. Ooh. And it's really fascinating. I mean, it's just this kind of like sociological study around identity and ideas of motherhood and kind of how we've internalized these ideas, how all of this inequality has resulted from our idealized, you know, notions of being a mother. Um, I mean, it talks about, you know, gender-based double standards. It talks about that emotional load, which we've talked about before. Um, it's it's really good. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I want to read yeah, that. I highly recommend it for anyone who is a mother because it is, you read it, just go like, oh. Interesting. Um, how about you? What are your two thumbs up this week? Okay. Well, my first one is a book related. So remember when I was talking to you about um, A Discovery of Witches, the show I watched that was so yes. good that I am like so <laughs> obsessed with Matthew Good. I am so in with love your witches. with him. Witches, vampires, bring it every day. Well, I loved it so much that I went ahead and bought the A Discovery of Witches trilogy. It's a trilogy. <laughs> a so, book trilogy. Yes, a book trilogy. And of course, they were all on hold for like 100 years at the library. I said, screw that. Amazon Prime, <laughs> Kindle, wow. purchase it now. Like, I need my vampires. I need my witches. Sarah, are these written for grownups? Or <laughs> okay, are th this is, this, yes, <laughs> yes. They are written for grownups. And this is actually what sold me on the trilogy. I read this on Goodreads and I laughed so hard. The person said, these books are for you if you really, really love Twilight, but you're kind of embarrassed about that. Okay. <laughs> it's like, fair. That's, that's fair. That's me. That's exactly me. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's all of us. <laughs> I went to see the Twilight movies in the theater. Okay. Oh, so like, did I. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this is like Twilight, but a little grown up. I mean, it's there. Hmm. Oh, I mean, it, you have to watch the show. Just watch the first show. I mean, the first season. Second season's coming out in April. Well, should I read the book first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read the books first. Okay. Read the books first. So I mean, now um, that I have a Kindle. Well, now that you got your Kindle, you're going to yeah. buy your Discovery of Witches trilogy. Um, I'll link up to that because that is a very big thumbs up. And then also, this, this, art, this is an article that I want to talk about for our thumbs up that was posted in our Selfie Facebook community group. And it was that New York Times article yes. on like how to About help teens. teens. Yes. <gasps> like how to help them weather the storm. You guys, we're going to link to this um, at selfiepodcast.com. And we might even tell you about it again in the group if you missed it the first time. If you have tweens or teens, this was such an incredible article. And I don't want to ruin it for you if you're going to read it. But just basically like stepping away from trying to solve problems immediately and more like just kind of letting them know that it's okay that they're having these amazingly crazy emotions right now and things just need to settle a little bit. So like stepping out of that problem solving mode, because lots of mm -hmm. times that just kind of pushes them away. They're like, no, no, I don't, you know, I didn't do that. I don't um, and she used this analogy of like a snow globe 
that this teacher would use with her students, like a counselor at a high school. And when they'd come in all frazzled, she'd take it and she'd shake it up. It was like, and the glitter would just like go everywhere. And she's like, this is your brain right now. This is what's going on in your brain. But if you just watch this, let's let that settle. And like all the glitter settles to the bottom and it kind of gives the teenager a chance to just take a couple of deep breaths, calm down. And it, apparently it, it works so well because sometimes it's that initial like surge of hormones and there's just so much going on in the drama totally. just to like let them kind of calm down a bit and just let them know it's okay that they are feeling this way and we don't have to like solve every problem right now. Well, and what a great visualization tool too. Oh, right? I'm about to go buy snow globes. For I, the I am too. I'm going to buy some. <laughs> I hate glitter. I hate glitter. I know, I do too. <laughs> I'll do it anyway. <laughs> glitter is the herpes of the craft world. It is. I completely agree. <laughs> we made glitter snow globes at Karis's last birthday party. Because of course you did. After you did like the donut, the donut. <laughs> After the donut wall. <laughs> the donut wall. Anyway, I do not recommend it. It was a nightmare. Um, I would never be doing that ever. I no. would lose my mind. Lose my mind. All right. Well, let's talk very quickly about um, one of today's sponsors, which is care.com. So we've talked about the fact that delegating can be a component of self-care. In fact, we talked about that just last week. But finding good help can be really hard. So care.com makes that really easy. They are the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care for everything from childcare, housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors. You can even have someone run errands for you. So good. I mean, they really do make finding care so easy. Um, also, you can find, book, and pay for your care all in one place with their home pay option that allows you to pay through the site. So whether you need daily child care when you're at work or you just want to line up like a last minute sitter, it's super easy. What I really like about it is that they provide access to a ton of background check options so that when you're trying to hire someone, you can feel like they are safe and trustworthy. I have been using care.com honestly since Drafta was a baby. We found some of our very best sitters on there. One of them was with us for several years, but I've also used them for housekeepers. Um, I've used them to find a babysitter when we were traveling, like I, you know, was going to an event in a town that I didn't live in. And it's, I mean, it's super easy to use. And the premium membership is fantastic. I am becoming um, very fond of using the dog walking service. I haven't used it yet, but like this is my research right now, being that I'm a new dog <laughs> owner. Um, so it's so cool. Like just go on. I can find so many walkers that are right around my home when I enter my zip code. And obviously, yeah. like you, I love the tools like background checks, reference checks, qualifications, certifications. I need to see all that, obviously. So it is such a good tool for me when I need care, you know, like at a minute's notice. It is. You can hire a babysitter day of on mm -hmm. care.com yeah. when you're in a real crisis. It is a great option. Um, so it's free to join as a basic member and you can start searching for great local caregivers. But once you upgrade to premium, what you want to do, you reach out to them, schedule interviews. And then, like you said, you can even book and pay for it all online or through their app. So if you guys are interested, they have a great deal for us today to save 30% off of a care.com premium membership. You can visit care.com slash selfie when you subscribe. Love it. All right. We ready to chat with Amy? Let's do it. Okay. Let's jump into this interview with Amy Estes. I have to say that I've known Amy. I was trying to think about this, Amy. I think it's like 
10 years, at least 10 years that I've been reading. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like years. the early the early blogging days. Amy is I think one of the most astounding writers I have ever come across. I just everything she writes, I am just like eating it up word for word. She is a queer comic writer and teacher who lives in Sacramento. And I do have to ask you straight out of the get-go, when you sent me over your bio, I wondered about queer opposed to gay. Is there a reason? Um, There are so many reasons. I started using queer instead of gay, um, namely because I came out later in life. Mm -hmm. I was 29 when I came out to my family. And I think that for me, using queer feels really inclusive. Like it doesn't discount the fact that I've had meaningful relationships with men. Um, But it also just feels like a more inclusive identity. And one thing I've noticed just as I've been out and kind of in that scene more is that a lot of younger gay people and at 35, I don't know if I'm allowed to call myself younger, (laughs) um, (laughs) but they're they're using it to like reclaim the term. Um, really? Because, yeah. yeah, queer was such a negative term it, it was. Um, for such a long time. And even like my mom is always like, I don't I don't like that you use that word. And I've had a number of conversations with people where they've been like, you know, we played smear the queers. We were kids, like just a lot of really hateful language. Right, um, right. But it's an identity that feels really good to me. I think it acknowledges that there's a spectrum of sexuality. Uh-huh. Um and also includes those those past relationships. I'm still very dear friends with a few of my former male partners. And even though I don't anticipate that I would ever date a man again, um, it feels inclusive and and like it captures that part of my story. I kind of like I like that, like taking back the word because, you know, I'm 44. Kristen is, too. And when I read that at first, you know, I, I was immediately taken back to my childhood. And, yeah, there is a lot of negative connotation with that word. Mm-hmm. There's an article that Teaching Tolerance just put out about why the word queer is being used, and I can send it over to you. It's it's really interesting Yes, um, because it was something that I had used and felt comfortable with. And then, um, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just a different generation. It's something that's really exciting as someone who spends a lot of time with queer youth, getting to see them define their identity in a million different ways is is really, really exciting. That is amazing. So talk a little bit about... um teaching? Yeah. Um, I teach middle school. Yeah. And I've taught middle wow. school for 13 years. Um, <laughs> on purpose? On, yeah, I know. <laughs> I took a break and taught high school for a little bit, but man, I just, I love, I love their crazy. Like they're just yeah. at this super um, interesting trajectory and they're so funny. They're so weird. Um and I was just really grateful for adults who kind of let me have my feelings when I was in middle school. And so yes. I try to open up that space. And um, I'm in a district now that does a lot of like trauma informed training and um, mm. kind of has a gentler approach with kids. And I think most middle schoolers are pretty traumatized. <laughs> for <laughs> <Just> real. <laughs> for hormones real. alone. And, you know, I think their parents are pretty traumatized, too. I'm, there are days when I'm like, you know, Godspeed. <laughs> The bell is rung. 
Get out. Well, it's yeah. so it's so funny because we were just doing our two thumbs up before we hopped on with you. And one of the one was it this New York Times article about dealing with teens' emotions. And it sounds exactly like what you're saying. It's just like giving, you know, kind of giving teens the space to like be the kind of special crazy that they are when they're in middle school, like the tweens and the early teen years, you know, um, opposed yeah. to trying to like fix all the problems, you know. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, scientifically their brains have not finished forming yet which is something that is a great comfort i think to most parents to realize like it it'll get better (laughs) that prefrontal cortex will come at some point and everything will kind of calm down but you know what i always think about with teenagers is like everything is the first time it's their first crush Mm, their first problems with friends like as adults we have that perspective to be like yeah yeah this will pass or something else will happen But like everything is the very first time and they have no real context or like perspective on how to survive. But also like their brain is telling them this is the biggest deal in the whole world because they Mm -hmm. don't they just don't have a lot. And I think in middle school, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. They know that adulthood is coming and they feel really adult. But we still, you know, as a middle school teacher, like, yes, you have to ask me to go to the bathroom and I'm going to tell you what to do with your time. And it's just this natural instinct to like rage against the the man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's they're great though. They're just they are crazy though, truly. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, one obviously we have you on today because we really want to kind of dive into anxiety. It's something that Kristen and I both deal with um, on the regular, and I know you have as well. And I just remember over the past decade when I was reading some of your posts online or via a newsletter or what have you, you know, that was definitely a vein that would run through a lot of your writing, especially like how you've managed to adjust your self-care to help. Um, I'm not like asking you to give your TED talk right now (laughs) on all of it, but um, I would just love if you could talk a little bit about like, when was the moment when you felt like you had to change or like take steps in your self-care to make things better in terms of mental health? Yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to think back, like in preparing for this conversation, like a time that I don't remember having anxiety. And I think I've just kind of always had it. Mm-hmm. Um, my teachers always commented, I, I don't know if you've seen the meme that's out right now, but it's like everyone who was labeled a pleasure to have in class now has anxiety <laughs> yes, disorder. I saw that. Totally. And like, <laughs> nothing is truer for me. Nothing is truer. Um, totally. I was like, Oh, I, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly me. Um, and so, you know, as a kid, I think that my parents recognized that something was up a lot of the time. Um, I remember like in third grade, I got cast as this solo performer in this third grade musical called Go and Buggy. And I was Lana the Ladybug, (laughs) got to sing a solo and I got so anxious that I made myself sick and couldn't go. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I just remember that being like, what is what is wrong? Um, And for a long time, I really managed anxiety primarily through doing like, Mm -hmm. oh, I Mm -hmm. can be a really good student. I was raised religiously. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of ignoring of mental health in religious circles. Sometimes it's like you can just pray it away. Um, Sure. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they wanted to pray out of me. Uh, (laughs) It didn't didn't work. It's so funny. Um, Still gay and still anxious. Um, Yeah, and so in my 20s, I discovered yoga. Um, I, I started off by going to Bikram yoga, and then I discovered vinyasa. And it came as a result of me having panic attacks every day when I was going to college. Um, mm. I would literally have to, I, I went to a commuter school in Sacramento and I would have to pull over on the side of the road cause I just couldn't, I just couldn't drive or really function. Um, and I finally sought help like professionally and, um, it was coupled with just a really challenging time in my life. I got married very young and my, my husband was wildly emotionally abusive. And so mm. I was very depressed and very anxious and, um, had to call like a crisis line one day through my healthcare provider and thankfully got connected with a therapist who I really credit her with, with saving my life. She got me connected to meds, but in addition to talk therapy, she also recommended yoga and meditation. And, you know, again, being raised religiously, I was very cautious of, you know, these like kind of occultish things that I'd been taught about. Totally. You know, I was concerned Satan was going to enter my body in yoga or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jury's out if he did or not. I think sometimes it definitely feels that way. But um, (laughs) that that was really my first introduction to it. And as I've gotten older, um, you know, it's just something I have to be aware of. Right now I'm in this phase where it's not really a phase, but just taking things off of my plate, like recognizing that I'm anxious when I have a full calendar. So mm-hmm. doing that, making time for like really routine things. Um, and I don't know if there's one moment. I know that, you know, when I was 19, that's when I was first diagnosed and kind of started getting help. Um, but I've had a number of like come to Jesus moments <laughs> in my years right? Um, where I've realized that like, there are just some things that I have to do in order to be a functional human being. Yes. And I will, I have to say right here, because I don't know if Kristen's um, knows, but Amy is an Enneagram three. So we've got three threes going oh, on right oh here. Oh man. Three threes, say. three threes. And I will say that she is a special snowflake like me. Three wing four, three wing Ugh. four, special snowflake alert. But, um, yes. but what we were saying about just feeling like you have to do, do, do. Like that's such an Enneagram three thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like trying to distract yourself from what's really going on. Just I've got to get it done. I've got to do it well, you know? Well, and I think too, like as a three wing four, there's always the public image that's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's always like, how does this look to other people? And um, I'm still, you know, I'll write about self-care and I'll write about anxiety, but like I'm not super forthcoming about like the depths of my depression or issues totally. like that because, you know, anxiety is kind of like, it's like, oh, it's cute. Like you're stressed out because you're just doing such a good job. But depression <laughs> mm-hmm. is like so, you know, it's rough. Like nobody wants to hear about, right? you know, laying on the couch for eight weeks and just watching Criminal Minds until you <laughs> can't do anything else. You know, that's yeah. a different thing. And um, my partner... Her name is also Amy. Um, (laughs) Amy also has depression and things like that. And she's just super honest about it and transparent. And it's really been a a huge blessing to be with someone who understands it, but also someone who grew up in a family and in a, in a world where she 
just wasn't, she didn't feel shame about it. And that's been really good for me to be like, oh, I can talk about this. And, um, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I hear from other people like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too. I think it's more common than we realize. Oh, it totally is. And that's the issue I feel like with us threes, we just, we just won't open up because we're afraid of what will happen and how we'll be judged or whatever. But in actuality, usually when you do is when you actually make connection with, with another person. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. That's so weird how that <laughs> yeah, happens. Like, oh my like gosh. That. If I'm just, if I just tell the truth, yeah. other people will tell the truth about who they are. And then we have a real connection. Yeah. Well, it seems too like, I mean, I, I think it's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg as someone with anxiety and who's also a three it's like I almost feel like that like need to be productive was a coping skill it was a coping skill like I you know I can make myself feel okay if I get a bunch of stuff done which is not really dealing with the root of the anxiety but it is this sort of temporary hit of relief right totally my my partner teases me all the time because I'll get anxious, like if I have to travel for comedy or something else, and it'll be like, you know, I'm having a a tailspin feeling of what's to come. And I get into this place where I'm like, no, you have to push, you have to do it, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I think pushing through your anxiety is actually a function of your anxiety. (laughs) Like you convince yourself you have to do more. Oh, Oh, that's huge. That's huge. It was a huge revelation for me because I I didn't realize there was also an option of just like not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and tending to what I felt like was right. Right. Um, and that also like, you know, y- you don't have to push so hard all the time. Right. But it's it's so hard. I'm the same way. I just feel like I just always I want to do so much. The three in me wants to be admired for all of these things. But like what I'm really finding out the hard way this past year is that like I can't do all of these things, even though I really want to do all of them and I want to do well. And the thought of like stopping doing some things, like just terminating that part of my job or life or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I'm just realizing that I can't handle as much as I think I can handle, period. Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't. It, it causes me great anxiety. And looking at it, I, I'm so hard on myself. I'm like, what's the problem? It's not that much, Sarah. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You can do this, this, and this. But I'm just finding out I really can't, which sucks. It kind of sucks. I don't know. Because I'm not to that place yet where I'm like, I'm just in the moment, man. And No, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to, like, dominate the conversation with this story, but last year I had to take a mental health leave from my job because I was experiencing just incredible discrimination based on the fact that I was gay and was not supported by administration or my district or anything else. And so for eight months last year, until I got a new teaching job, I was just at home. Yeah. Um, and you have to really, like, realize who I was outside of being a teacher uh-huh. um, and not have so many responsibilities and have to, you know, daily commit to self-care while I dealt with this horrific situation that was so challenging um, was one of the hardest things. And, you know, yes, the, the circumstances were hard, but ultimately what, you know, s- took me into this place that was so dark was that it was like, oh my gosh, I don't have this constant input of things to do. Uh-huh. Totally. Um, 
oh, I mean, that just, it, yeah, it makes me nervous just thinking. <laughs> yeah, it. to just suddenly, you know, yeah. and being a teacher is like a constant, you know, there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, specifically at that school, I had, I was helping with activities. I was a lead teacher on a number of things, department chair. I mean, I was just like, that school was my whole life. Right. Um, and so to have to really step back and then not have all of these things that filled my time, mm-hmm. um, it was you know, just horrible, but also it gave me a chance to step back and say like, okay, who are you when you don't have this endless to-do list right? and this job that seems very noble, like what's, what's left and what is left is like a need for self-care and also like some creative outlets. I think I really, you know, I'm a comic and that fed a lot of my, my time and my whatever, but it was, you know, it was just a real kind of like I don't know if I can say it, but like mind not to have anything to do every day, like just to be like, oh, my God, there's no list. Like there's just me here in this moment, which can be totally frightening. It was horrifying at times. You know, I think a lot of us fill our lives with stress in order to avoid our anxiety. And they're not the same thing. We kind of we think they're the same thing. But stress is, you know. It's worrying about things we have to do. Anxiety is like much deeper rooted, you know, right. and it's almost like stress can like the creation of stress can become a way that we don't deal with the pain of actual anxiety, at least for me. Yeah. It's a misdirection. Like it's much easier yes. to be stressed out about the things that we have to do than to sit down and be still and be like, oh, my gosh, that's right. I have anxiety and it's not something that I can control. And I know that if we're all threes, control is our most favorite thing. (laughs) The most favorite. (laughs) It's the most favorite. Yeah. Just the tiniest control issue. I know for me. Just a little bit. It's a tiny thing. Not really a big deal. It's no big, no big. So like, (laughs) I I mean, that eight months at your house, I'm still like kind of reeling about. Yeah. And people would say like, just enjoy it. You're never going to have this time again. And I was like, screw you. Like. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I often say, like, I think a little bit of anxiety keeps me going. Like, it's, yeah. it fuels something in me. And so to have, like, you know, not, it was just, well, what do, what do I do? <laughs> like, ha- uh, enjoy, enjoy what? Like, this is awful. And it was also awful. So it was not an enjoyable time. But, you know. So do you find, was, I mean, you were, you were focusing on comedy a lot then, or, you know, just because it gave you something. Um, yeah. to kind of direct your focus to? Do you feel like you were doing more um, of other self-care things? Like, were you meditating more at that point, um, doing more yoga? Or was it more just like, uh, I have no idea what's happening in my life. I'm just going to sit here. It was more of the latter. Yeah. Like the, right. I really watched <laughs> yeah. like all of yeah. Criminal Minds totally. in like a stupid short amount of time. Like I... I was on a strong napping schedule too, which is also like, interestingly, a feature of my anxiety. My anxiety really presents as being tired. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I did. I thought that was crazy. And then I said to my therapist, like, God, I'm just so tired. And she's like, that's anxiety. Like, that's your anxiety yeah. telling your body physically, like, you can't do this. It's a way to keep you safe. Huh. Um, yeah. And so I definitely deal with that as well. Oh, it's crazy to think like my body makes me feel tired. That's mm-hmm. nuts for me. Like I, when I realized that I was like, oh, that's totally right. But I think towards the end, I was able to kind of, um, you know, when I knew I had a, a job and some other things shifted, it was like, okay, I can start kind of taking care of myself again. Yeah. 
Yeah. A very recent newsletter that you sent out. By the way, we are going to link to your newsletter at selfiepodcast.com because it's just, it's so beautiful. What you write, I just, I, I can't say it enough. It's just, it's really beautiful. But you just recently wrote about meditation and being in the moment. And you spoke specifically about this, um, the reign of self-compassion, which I thought Ugh. was super interesting. Would you mind telling our listeners about that. I think it could be very helpful with anxiety. Yeah, it is. It's really a, a very beautiful game changer. I think um, there's a meditation teacher named Tara Brock, and she's like my spiritual fairy godmother. I call her. I just love her work. She has an incredible podcast, but um, she talks about you know when you're caught up in those moments, whether you're angry or anxious or frustrated or whatever else, to go through this process that she calls rain. And so the R is to recognize really what you're, what you're feeling and how that's showing up for you. Um, and what, you know, what's, what's actually happening in the moment. Um, and then the A is to like acknowledge yourself, just, you know, she recommends saying something like, you know, it's okay, darling, or you're okay, honey. And like talking to yourself like a toddler, which I think is a super mm. helpful thing in anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, in it anyways, I think it's really important. Um, and to, you know, the, a, you could be either acknowledge or, or allow, just let the experience be what it is. So, you know, I'm overwhelmed because of my to-do list or my kids are driving me crazy, or I'm just feeling anxiety for some reason. So just allow it to be without trying to fix it or change it. Um, and then investigate, with interest and with care, which I love. So to ask yourself questions like what might feel better and what inside of me needs attention and how does this feel in my body? Um, so, you know, is my stomach tense or my shoulders tense and and what do I notice about how I'm feeling? Um, and not, you know, following it up with what's wrong with you, but just like, Whoa, what, what am I believing right now? What am I thinking? And then the end is, you know, nurture yourself with self compassion. So, um, you know, I'm listening, you're, you're good. Um, you're perfect as you are, whatever it is, you know, your mantra that really works Mm -hmm. for you is, is super powerful. And, um, you know, she talks about this a lot. There are a number of meditations that she has that are public about it. Um, but between that, and then there's also a book by Kristen Neff called Self-Compassion that follows a similar process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really powerful for those of us that are that are hard on ourselves. And I think that's most people, right? Right. <laughs> very hard on ourselves. And um, just this kind of slow down process to remember like, okay. And then I love that it ends with, with nurturing. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And she even does, there's one meditation that she does where at the end, it's like you imagine like someone that you love, like a family member or your pet and thinking about how they view you and trying to let that love and wisdom flow into you. And so, you know, I picture my Mm. dog who thinks I'm the most amazing human (laughs) alive ever. And I just picture (laughs) him like coming to sit on my lap and how I, you know, how that instant sense of unconditional love and Um, it's such a nicer dialogue than the one I normally have with myself, which is just like, what is the matter with you? Get it together. Get it together. This is dumb. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause I would imagine, I mean, for me personally, if I was actually going through the the rain method at at this point right now, there's definitely times that I would feel like I was being hokey 
because I it's like I can't even get myself to the place where I'm vulnerable and open enough to like really I'm like oh god nurture myself whatever you, you know yeah it's sad absolutely. and I feel like that's the anxiety talking that's um it's like getting past all of that but I love what you said about like imagining a loved one like a pet or something the way they think of you that's a good way to visualize it because I have a hard mm-hmm. time you know you're saying that and I'm like that is so amazing but I don't know if I could like do that you know this well, negative I mean, self-talk's like loud <laughs> well and I think too sometimes in our society like self-care has been reduced to like a post-it note like put this on your mirror and look at it and you'll feel beautiful right and right. I think that's a lot of garbage um it doesn't it just doesn't work for me and maybe it's transformative for others but I think like I really like the earlier steps that kind of let me get to a place when I can nurture myself like just you know ask some questions like what do you really need and sometimes it's like I'm hungry and I've been teaching all day and I haven't sat down and had like a glass of water and just a taken a breath and sometimes it's it's that simple and other times it's like oh you're feeling really overwhelmed and the way you're going to nurture yourself is like, say, it's okay to cancel that plan or it's okay not to complete this yeah. um, and to like really meet a need in a tangible way. And then, yeah, thinking about someone else nurturing me is so much easier than having to do it myself. I agree. It's so true though. It's so true. I have a friend who's going through something hard and I remember one of the things that I talked with her about is like, how would you talk to a friend about this? Because the way that you're talking about yourself is so damning. And, you know, if like the way that it's true, the way that we speak to ourselves is not a way that we would ever judge a friend by. Right. It's just a, it's a special critical eye that we point only to ourselves. You know, we would we would have so much more compassion for a friend in so many aspects of our life. There's a chapter in The Untethered Soul, which by Michael Singer is one of my favorite books of all time. And he talks about the exact same thing. He's like, imagine if you had a roommate and you were saying all of those things that you're saying to yourself in your head out loud to a roommate. Like you would never do that. It would be the worst of the worst. But yet we just take it all day long, you know? Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. The reign of self-compassion. I want to try this too. I know, I intuitively know I need that. Right. That's how I feel too. Because it's a little step of mindfulness that I am not taking on the regular. Totally. Totally. And it's just, I I mean, a therapist recommended it to me and, um, you know, I was like, well, what, you know, what can I do to cope with my anxiety? You know, I I want a list of something to do for my anxiety. Like I want homework from therapy. Right. Oh Yeah. And she was like, no, like, you're not getting it. Like, all I want you to do is be nice to yourself. And she recommended a book because I like badgered her until she did. Um, (laughs) Because I needed something to accomplish. Okay, Um, but what is my to do list? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, no, really, like, what's my homework? And finally, like, I had the same therapist from 19 to 35. Wow. And she like, two years in was like, I'm not I'm never going to give you a homework assignment. Like, I'm just not going to do it because you're too excited about it. Yeah. Ah, that um, is hilarious. It was so funny. But like, this is, you know, she recommended this podcast and this process. And, um, you know, it's also nice sometimes when I sit down to meditate to have like, something to do. Yes, <laughs> um, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes the meditation practice of like, just sitting and watching your breath, like, it can really work, but not when I'm spiraling. Like, I need yeah, something hard. to kind of guide my thoughts. Um, yes. Yeah. 
I did a 10 day silent retreat a couple of years ago. I remember when you did that. I remember when you did that. Oh Oh, my gosh. In the end, we did meta meditation. So, you know, positive thoughts and all of this. And while the 10 day experience was incredible, it was only on that last day when I felt like I had a purpose. Um, And that purpose was self kindness that I felt like, oh, I really, I really get it. Cause when I'm in like, you know, to do list land, I'm not able to just sit and watch my breath. It feels like a waste of time, even though I know it's not whatever, you know, we can go through that all you want, but to have like a, like a guidance is really, really helpful. I think for those of us who have like an anxious mind. Oh, absolutely. Um, That is a very good tip. Now, you know, we're going to have to ask you too, because we have you here. You've already given some really good suggestions, but I'm going to have to find out if you've got any more thumbs up for us. Do you have any like product shows, anything that you're really into right now? Um, I do. Um, so I feel like this is very off topic and may cause anxiety, but if you haven't watched <laughs> abducted in plain sight, oh, I have. oh no, I have. Oh. What is wrong with those? Oh my God. I, don't even get me started. I, I mean, okay. Can we just talk spoilers and people can skip ahead? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 People what? skip ahead. Okay. What in the world? When they said <laughs> that the parents let her sleep let yes. him sleep in her bed. Yes. Up to four nights a week. Yes. What? Are After they thinking? Kristen, you're a therapist. You don't you don't <laughs> recommend that? Is that not that's not normal then? Oh okay. my gosh. You guys, I, I just... felt like the entire the entire show. I was like, I'm being punked. Like there is no way this really yeah. happened. I mean, from everything, from the first abduction to like him starting it up with the wife and then him needing relief from the husband from the in the car. Gosh. I need relief and the guy does it. And it's like, what? Do I, what? The whole thing I just felt like was entirely, I was being punked. How is that possible? How? 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 Who? Who? I mean, what? The dad thing really got me. Like, I just I oh. think about sitting around a table and being like, this man has slept with three of five of the people at this table. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> like, right. what? And we're all related. Like, I just and, and like the idea of like men that I know who are like my my own father being in a car with someone and having them be like, I need relief. My dad right. would be like, get the like, what? What's right. wrong with you? Right. I, I just I. I no words. And when she put her on the plane to Jackson Hole, I oh. was just like done oh. with these parents. That I, was I too. That was insane. My friend Travis, he told me he told me about it. But he said you've got to like get your expectations like in line before you watch this. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be furious and just uh, so annoyed. And so I went in. He's like, I went in watching it, just thinking I had I he didn't know what to expect. And he's like, this is in complete insanity. I just could not believe it's like one thing after the other. We were silent think... in my house and we're never silent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think though, I think the the why of like how could this happen? I will say having grown up in very religious context. First of all, I think we are taught that if someone else is a believer, they're trustworthy. Like you just you lose all cynicism. You're taught to give people the benefit of the doubt. You're taught to trust other people that are in the club, right? And so they just had this total blind faith in this guy that he was on the up and up. I guess I just, it was a lot. And then the guy used the religion against them by getting them to do things outside of their faith. You know, he manipulated Mm -hmm. and seduced both of the parents. And then there was so much shame that they just felt like, well, 
you know. Oh. Well, it's yeah, the the manipulation is key because what I watched something right after this and I can't think of what the show is right now, but it had the same kind of deal of people being manipulated. And you do, I mean, there are people out there that I think, you know, you you hear these stories, you see these things happening, you're like that would never happen to me, but there are people capable of like intense manipulation. And I feel like For sure. he was just a complete expert at manipulation and they just they just it was like the wool was pulled over their eyes so yep. i mean at least i try to think i'm trying to give these people the benefit of the doubt <laughs> I, don't know. I mean maybe once like right. i mean Twice. once Twice. just like after he'd already kidnapped their daughter when the mom's like well i stayed in his trailer too yeah. long i was like are you kidding me <laughs> why I are you know. speaking to this human you guys that I mean, is like, so messed up. What? I, I, I still, I mean, I just want everyone to watch it. I've gotten like 10 people to watch it. <laughs> and every day yeah, I get like a, everyone needs exactly to watch happened. it. It is a cautionary tale for parents. It is. For sure. For and certain. It's such a like, it is kind of a crazy indictment though. I agree about like religious communities sometimes, especially when it's a man in religious communities. Yep. Like they just kind of have this weird carte blanche. Like I can think of a dude that was in my church when I was growing up who was like a he had a, a rough past and one day he came to like speak to the youth group about like staying on the straight and narrow and you know inadvertently taught us all how to smoke pot out of a coke can <laughs> like just sharing his wisdom and so like I think sometimes like we're not as uh you know, thoughtful maybe as we could be about adults when they're in the church so. I think that's a very good point point well taken <laughs> Point. I mean, I'll it's been helpful knowledge for me. Yes. I'm kidding. I, I, that's, <laughs> I'm a special snowflake. You, I would never do that. You would never do that. <laughs> Out of a not Coke a, can. Come no, on. Yeah, not a Coke can. Not a Coke a can. A LaCroix, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Pamplemousse. Pamplemousse yeah. LaCroix. <laughs> Pamplemousse or get out of here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is that your second thumbs up? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a million thumbs up. The other, the other podcast I will plug is, uh, over my dead body. I'm a true crime, like weirdo. I think it soothes my anxiety. It's a good, it's a good one. Okay. I don't know that one. Tell us more. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but it's this like beautiful, wealthy family. These, this couple gets married very young. They have children. And one day the husband is shot in his garage. Ooh. And what's it called again? Intriguing. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Okay. We are going to, we will put that in the notes. to listen to that one. I like the crime things too. It's good. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Amy. We thank you for having really me on. This was so fun. It. We are going to link up to your newsletter. And also, if you are in the Northern California area, are you traveling outside of California with uh, your comedy act? I have. Last year I was in Boston and I awesome. was in Colorado and Oregon. This year I'm not sure where I'll end up. I uh, just teaching is a little crazier, but I'm hoping to do some travel this summer. And of course, LA. I'm down in LA nice. fairly frequently. Well, we'll go ahead and link up to um, amysgotjokes.com where you can find out all this information about her comedy show. And once again, we just really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks yeah, so much thank for having you. me. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. 
make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care.